Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Good and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, Lucasfilm changes the way it makes video games. CES 2021 shows off its virtual wares. And the Marvel Cinematic Universe returns with WandaVision. All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glasser from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows. And if you can, please give us that five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do anything that you can to support us at the Pop Culture Cosmos or the great radio stations around the world that play us each and every day of the week, it is truly appreciated. But it wouldn't be a PCC multiverse without my good friend. You got to check out what he's doing today on the Twitter or Instagram at CastleFPV, and that is Castle with a K. It is my good friend indeed. It is Marcus De La Garza. And Marcus, great to have you back on, my friend. Ready to talk some pop culture? Man, I don't know what just happened there. My internet hiccup, and I missed your lead-in question there. But, hey, I do have to tell you, I'm just really excited to be back here again, Gerald. It's been a great week here for pop culture, I would say. We've seen some great things, and I'm really excited to talk about them. So let's dive right into it if you're ready. Then I will just go back in time because we're going to be dealing with a little bit of time issues here when it comes to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So we'll just go back in time. Marcus! <laughs> You ready to talk some pop culture this week on today's program? I am. It's been a great week, man. I'm really excited to talk some Marvel. I'm excited to talk some CES. And I'm really, really, really excited to talk some Lucasfilms. And we're going to tease something on the way out. A little 52 weeks of Netflix films. I'm excited you to hear go. your take on this one, man. Plus, we've got on today's show, on the back end, Cody Langley stopping by from Popular Opinion. That's the Popular Opinion channel on YouTube. You got to go ahead and check it out today along with his great show on there. Not only does he do a lot of features with Funko, but he also has a great show, Wheel of Misfortune. So check that out there. It is the Popular Opinion channel on YouTube. And he's going to stop by a little bit later in the program to talk some Funko Pops. 
We're going to go deep into Funko Pop collecting later on in the program. Plus also as well, we are going to bring up Netflix, 52 weeks of Netflix films coming up throughout the year. Is this something that can be reached? We're going to talk about that on the back end of the show. Plus also, Lucasfilm has redone everything in regards to the way it will handle video games going forward. So we're going to discuss that on the back end of the show as well. Plus also, we're going to be discussing CES 2021 and my time there. And also Marcus's observations on what was hot. Hot. I'm bringing back the hot. Just because Marcus just has a great laugh over it. What was hot at CES 2021 this year as well. But first, my friend, we do have to go ahead and start off with this. It is the return of the Marvel Cinematic Universe with WandaVision, which debuts this weekend. Actually, as you hear this on Friday, it has already debuted on Disney Plus with two episodes. Mind you, it's not going to be a two-hour movie or a four-hour miniseries or anything like that. It's going to be two pretty much half-hour episodes patterned after the sitcoms that they're going to go ahead and pattern themselves after decade by decade. And I think it's going to start off with the 50s, if I'm not mistaken, with like, for instance, the Dick Van Dyke show and I Love Lucy and and start off and go through the decades on that and the world that Wanda Maximoff, a.k.a. Scarlet Witch, delves into in her own mind and all the things that she creates out of it. So I want to hear your thoughts first off. The excitement level that you have about now seeing the Marvel Cinematic Universe after over a year finally come back into action and play itself out once again. This feels like the perfect correction for what was 2020, right? Like we just didn't have any MCU and 2021 starting off with a bang and it's starting off with the debut of WandaVision. You know, it's it's one of those things I was reading an uh, interview this week. Paul Bettany was saying that he thought he was getting fired when he got called in for to be pitched the show. Yes. Was one of, yeah, he, he was he was ready. He told his wife, well, I guess that's it. I'm getting canned, walked in. He said, well, guys, I just want to let you know. Thank you very much. It's been a great few years here. And they said, oh, are you quitting? And he goes, no, I thought you were firing me. Nope, nope, nope. We just want to picture your show. It, I mean, this is wild. How do you get, have that kind of turn of events there? So uh, I'm really excited to see this one. I mean, I've waxed poetic about I Love Lucy and the Beverly Hillbillies and all sorts of other shows that, you know, I watched growing up on Nick at Night or VHS. We had a, quite a VHS collection of some of those old TV shows. So I'm very excited to see how this is going to kind of play on that old school pop culture and and bring that new life to it. OK, the presentation's going to be top notch, but I'm just wondering how is the underlying atmosphere because not only does this need to feed in as far as the beginnings for the multiverse itself for not only what we're going to be seeing and dr strange to the multiverse of madness but the mcu and also yeah i don't know if you've heard it's also going to tie in somewhat to spider-man 3 as well i did not hear that last twist there is that something that just came out with ces or is that something that like just no, they snuck in there it's just been snuck in there The reason why is because if it's going to go ahead and shape this multiverse concept, she's going to be dabbling with the multiverse in order to create this world, this universe that she, well, at least in the show, it's a series that's being portrayed at, that she's going to be living in. And in order to do so, she's going to be tapping into things that only you really saw in brief moments in Avengers Endgame 
and also as well in the Ant-Man and the Wasp movies. You, you know, you only saw brief glimpses of that. And she's going to be delving into things that probably kick off some other things in other parts of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And one of the things that was mentioned, almost like out of hand, but it was mentioned that it will also likely tie into Spider-Man 3. Spider-Man has an association with Doctor Strange because Doctor Strange is now the new mentor for Spider-Man. So this is all going to tie in. And I know that Elizabeth Olsen is actually filming Doctor Strange 2 now with a Benedict Cumberbatch. So all this is going to be tying in. It is very interesting. I'm just worried about the underlying factory, not how it's going to be presented to us, because obviously it's going to be top notch. Right. How is it going to tie into the rest of the MCU? There's a lot of loose threads that you've got to tie together here, but you got to tie up all these loose ends at the very beginning of the MCU, like you were just saying, and find a way to to give us that complete storyline here. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Gerald. This is a this is an interesting predicament to be in. I also want to go ahead and mention that this again kicks off the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which has now been lost seemingly for over a year now since the events of Spider-Man: Far From Home. And that's something that we're now have to get back into. And that's something, are you afraid you may not be able to get back into it? Are you excited? No. And it just, it's, it's so weird because it's been over a year now since you've had to go ahead and get yourself in a mindset. And it, it quickly went from a period of time where you were, a lot of people were just had enough of superhero films and had enough of Marvel and they were coming over, they were becoming yeah. overloaded with it to now a situation without it for a year. So they're like thinking, I need, that's what I need back in my life. So are you going to be able to get back into it as intently as you once did? I mean, for me, definitely. And it just comes down to the fact that, you know, as I said, when I let off with my feelings on this one, it, it's like we're restoring the balance to the universe here. We've got an MCU title coming out here, even if it is just a TV show, a half hour TV show. I'm really excited to have this back in our lives. And I, I don't see any foresee any problems with pop culture jumping back into this one. You know, I, I feel like they could have done a little bit of a better job promoting it. I feel like I could have been seeing more ads on the Internet. But this is something that I think people will catch wind of it and it's just going to take off. Well, Disney Plus is riding high off of what they did with Soul. They got a lot of great response. It's been something that was kind of surprising for a lot of people that the kind of response they got back for it because it actually was outperforming as far as audience response what we were seeing from either Wonder Woman 1984 or anything from Netflix during that period of time. So Disney Plus is doing very well going into WandaVision. And you're right. I think they could have done a better job of promoting it, maybe a little bit more of the return of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. Some of the great things that they could have done in there. But we'll see what happens after the show debuts. And maybe they'll really get into it like we saw with The Mandalorian. Because once The Mandalorian came out and they saw what kind of interest there was into it, Disney promoted the heck out of it. And we could see that once again with WandaVision where people are just really so excited to get back into it that not only will it be a great word of mouth, but Disney will realize that and catch fire on that. And we'll look to see if we can go ahead and perpetuate that excitement that is going to, I think, happen with WandaVision. I don't know how much I can be excited for because remember, it's two short episodes, two 30-minute episodes. But still, it is something I'm definitely interested and intrigued to get into right now. I'm interested to hear what the listeners have to say about this one, because it's it's going to be one of those ones that 
you know, even as I even just made my point about, I wish they would have uh, advertised more. The more I think about it, the zealots of the MCU fan base are going to be out there promoting within their own circles. This is a widely known release. It's going to end up being hot, you know, it's hot, 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 hot. <laughs> But one last thing I wanted to ask you on this when it concerns the MCU was something that came up on Thursday as we record this. And it was something that was mentioned in Deadline and then repeated by Variety. And that was a possible return to the Marvel Cinematic Universe in some form or fashion by one Chris Evans as Captain America. Your thoughts on this? Because he's currently negotiating. If you believe the headlines that are on Deadline and Variety, and both of those have been able to get inside scoops on many times before. So I have a tendency to believe that this is not hearsay that Chris Evans has a genuine interest in getting back into the MCU. Yeah, I think if I hadn't worked for all of 2020, I'd be looking for a steady job for 2021 and trying to get back in on the MCU. It's exciting. I would love to know how the storylines come back together and we can weave him back into the storylines moving forward. I don't think it'll be in a big way. If people are looking for Captain America, the Winter Soldier Part 2, you're not going to get it, but you could see him either as in flashbacks you could see him as you know, small guest appearances on on shows or you could see him as old man cap and i'm not sure everybody would like that yeah old man cap didn't go over so well i i, I think we should maybe stay away from that one but you know i'm okay with some flashbacks here and there you know if, if it gives him a little bit of an acting part you know in a couple episodes for wandavision anything else moving forward you know i'm okay with that but i'm hesitant if we're gonna go back and do a full-on movie with him it feels like we're just backing up the Brinks truck because we can. But I am intrigued to see what they would do with Chris Evans in this forwarding of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I mean, obviously, we've talked about before that they have a design on the Young Avengers eventually evolving that as far as growing them. In fact, we're going to be seeing that during the course of WandaVision, the twins that they have, Wiccan and Speed that we're going to be seeing during the course of the events here in WandaVision, plus all the other young Avengers that are going to be in all the other shows that are upcoming. So this is something that we're going to be seeing in the not too distant future. Plus with a new fantastic four on the way, yep. how are the X-Men in the, well, actually probably won't see anything on the X-Men really until 2023, 2024. Could he be interacting with Deadpool? When Deadpool 3 comes out, you never know. That could be something that would just be hilarious if that was the case. But I'm truly looking forward to seeing Chris Evans as Captain America back in the MCU in some form or fashion, although I'm not expecting big things, and I don't think you should either out there. But just having him apart once again would be really cool. But overall, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, we can start talking about it again because it's now back with WandaVision on Disney Plus. What are your thoughts out there on the return of the Marvel Cinematic Universe with WandaVision with the first two episodes dropping this weekend on Disney Plus? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Hey, this is Chad from Ghost Toasters and you're listening to Pop Culture Cosmos Podcast. For the latest news and information, analysis and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, check out the Lakers Fast Break podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. 
All right, my friend, I did get a chance to travel all the way through my computer to CES this year, CES 2021. Wasn't quite the experience I was looking forward to, and I understand that it was virtual, but I've been through quite a few virtual conventions already, and I noticed a lot of those were more interactive, more interpersonal activity than what I saw at CES 2021. Sure, there were well over 1,500 vendors that you could choose from that you could go into the portal. You could go ahead and check out their wares. You could download the PDFs. And then if it's during the right hours of the day, you could interact with someone. They had always somebody stationed that, hey, this person's on that you can talk to them right now. I mean, it, it just seemed to me kind of lacked warmth, but the electronics were there. Also as well, I wanted to go ahead and say that the announcements were subdued and limited. Some of the vendors that I spoke to and reached out to said they didn't announce anything new this year or they weren't bringing anything new to the table. They just had their old stuff there or the stuff that they had had that were best sellers and regular sellers over the course of time simply because of the fact that they didn't want to go ahead with what's going on with the coronavirus and announce something new in the pipeline this year or have for some prototypes. But that didn't stop everyone from going ahead and announcing some things. And yes, like I said, it was a little subdued this year at CES 2021, but there was still some great things that were out there that I think took interest to both you and I. Some of it's topical, some of it's for the future, some of it's actually for the current and now and very important. So I want to hear your thoughts on what you found interest in this year at CES 2021. There is a lot that went on this year. Razer, I think, was the one that really caught both of our eyes, and maybe we should save that one for the end. But yeah. Sony came out with a, a brand new panel. It's the A90J. It's a OLED 4K TV. To me, I, I'm a huge Sony fan. You know, whether it's the PS5 or their receivers, I, and I know that some people will argue with me and say that you can find a better quality audio receiver, audio video receiver, on the marketplace, right? But mm -hmm. I, I'm just a Sony fanboy at the end of the day. So. Their new panels coming out this year, the new 4K OLED TV is looking beautiful. It's built on Google Home's software instead of the typical Android SDK that they've, they've been running in the past. Man, I'm really excited about what Sony had to offer there. And then one of the other big stars that we have talked about previously in this program, Arcade 1UP, I didn't really delve too far into their announcements, but I mean, maybe you can take a, a second to share it with us, Gerald. Absolutely. Arcade 1UP. Didn't have anything earth shattering this year. It didn't have a, a lot of new cabs that are on the way. Focused more on the cabs, the cabinets, the arcade cabinets than any of the pinball machines like they did last year. And then later in the year with the Infinity Gaming Table, which I'm really interested in. That is cool. And you and I have spoken about that yeah, before. We just talked about that about a month and a half ago, didn't we? Yeah. 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 And, and I mean, they did mention it, but it's obviously something that they're they're still working on. They got numerous support on Kickstarter for it. So there's a great interest on that. So once it finally does come out to retail, a lot of people are going to be just like all over the Infinity Gaming table as it looks really cool. And I'm really excited for it myself. But Arcade One Up did announce some new cabs. Some of them were fan choices. I mean, I've been through the fan boards on Facebook now for a couple of years. Yeah. And some of these are units that people were asking for. They were really responding to it. And a lot of people were very happy with it. There were some units that they still have not gotten that some people would like to see. 
I know first off Dragon's Lair having a Dragon's Lair, Dragon's Lair 2 yep. and Space Ace cabinet really looks good. I think is something that was really a nice and pleasant surprise. I know our friends at iArcade, they had brought out their own Dragon's Lair cabinet as well, which obviously is going to be competition for them. And seeing how that's the case, it was just a matter of time before Arcade One Up says, you know what, we're just going to go ahead and bring out a mass merchandise one for retail as well. So I know Dragon's Lair has been talked about for quite a bit. X Men, the, the four player. Yeah. Ah, the four player. But remember, it was a six player at the arcades. That's the only thing. But I know since this is a smaller unit, I don't think you could realistically get six players and have them all be able to see the action going on on a what a 60 to 75 percent version of what the actual real arcade cabinet right, is right, so right, yeah. it is a four-player version of the x-men game which i think is going to be pretty successful because they've already had four-player cabinets such as nba jam and others that have already come out that are that are, people have really gotten into so i see success for that if they go ahead and send it out to the retail stores and like they did announce a Killer Instinct cabinet, and that's going to come with Battletoads and also Killer Instinct 2. I'm not a huge Killer Instinct fan. I played a little bit, wasn't too big on it. thought it was almost like a PG version of Mortal Kombat and a wannabe version of Street Fighter. I wasn't big on Killer Instinct, but I know it has its fan base. So I wanted to hear your thoughts on Killer Instinct. I mean, it's a nice looking cab, though. I won't dissuade that. Yeah, so I just pulled up the uh, the images of the Killer Instinct cab, man. It, it looks great. I'm with you, though. It, that game was just a PG ripoff of Mortal Kombat at the end of yeah. the day, man. I'm interested to see how well that one sells. You know, And it's one of those things. They do have a, a cult following. People love Arcade 1-Up, love their cabinets, man. So I, I'd love to see what their sales figures look like mid-year and even next year this time. I was pretty enthused by the Pong cabinet. I, ju I was just looking at the pictures of it, you know, reading the specs on it. And that's something I want to mention real quick, and I'll let you go into it, is a, yeah. a, a Pong table. It's a four-player, but it's it actually looks like a coffee table that's ex with an extended base yep. that does have a Pong, and it has several other games in there as well. So that is something I'm really interested in. I like the fact that it had not only for doubles, for Quadrapong, Pong Sports, Warlords from the old Atari 2600, yeah. Circus Atari from the old 2600, Tempest and Super Breakout. That looks like it's going to be a fun cabinet. I don't know how well this is going to sell, but it does look like to me it's going to be a fun cabinet. What were your thoughts on it? Because Pong is the thing that I actually got introduced into video games first and foremost. Yeah, it looks like it's going to be a standing cabinet, so it's a, it's almost like a, a elevated bar table. You'd you know yeah. you'd see while you're out you know having a beer with your buddies, but you know uh, I'm interested in it, man. It's it, it's a nice conversation piece. I, it'd be interesting to have in your home. I could see if you have a game room, it'd be a great accessory for the game room. You know, it's a it's a place where you can go sit down and, and talk to your buddies, maybe have an adult beverage and play some pong. You know, really get back to it. And quadrupong is really what I was interested in there. That has to be an intense. I can't imagine trying to track all that at once. Four players playing at the same time with Pong. That would be a lot of funded play. And I know that's something that I think a lot of people will be interested in initially yeah. with, when it comes to Pong. I know the, uh, I forget the company's name. I saw their last year and I actually got a email from them this year in regards to the large, humongous 
pong table that was like with the magnetic pong it's not a video pong it's a magnetic pong but it looks really good i i don't know if people remember that but yeah it is something that cost several thousand dollars and then i know they've made a smaller version oh, there of we go. It this year yeah and that's something that i saw physically at ces last year and something that they're now introduced a smaller version of this year and i think that's really cool and it shows the uniqueness of pong but if people want to go ahead and get their pong fixed this is going to be a more affordable version of that and i think a lot of people are going to turn to this so it's going to hurt that business for that higher end marketplace for someone who wants that kind of niche outlook with that kind of table but Definitely Arcade 1-Up, I think, has hit a nice stroke with the nostalgic Pong table and all the extra games that come with it. Still would like to see some other things added in there as far as for Arcade 1-Up, but I know there's a lot of licensing and a lot of things that they have to go through. Plus, you've also got Legends Arcade and iArcade that both of them are now coming into the marketplace and want to go ahead and make their imprint. But with Arcade 1-Up, is there any one cabinet that you want the most. I know people are talking about Star Wars, the arcade trilogy. They've been talking about Tron for years. They've been talking about WWE superstars and WrestleFest on one cabinet. That one I know is going to be hard because I've spoken to them off camera and individuals that work there. And they know what I know in regards to that, the licensing on that because of the fact that that property could be owned by different individual companies that no longer exist. And I'm not talking about the WWE end of it. That's the part that might be hard to get. So we may never see that come to fruition, but is there any one arcade one-up cabinet you would love to see reproduced? You know, I really haven't heard the talk about the Tron cabinets and that really caught my attention really quickly there. I'm flipping through. I never um, played that. I always played it at pizza parlors. I never played the arcades, but I, I always played it at pizza parlors for some reason. Really? Yes. This, I don't know why. It was, it was there at arcades, but always it was at pizza parlors, and I always found it intriguing to play there. Or Zaxxon, which had a similar flight stick type deal. Okay. You know, I, I've always been a pinball person. <laughs> Sorry. You know, I've always been a pinball fan, you know, and I really wish that they would delve a little bit deeper. They've got a Marvel pinball cabinet that and Star uh, Wars and Star Wars. Yeah. It's one of those things that it, what was it? The F 14 Tomcat pinball cabinet. Great cabinet. Loved it growing up. That's one I'd love to see reproduced, but you know, I know that's a kind of a, a niche market there. So but there's so many out there with either virtual pinball that can have a whole bunch of different skins, actually your choice put on there. Yeah. Ace computers came out with some, there's, there's several different companies that, that I met last year that are bringing virtual pinball or have virtual pinball out on the marketplace that you may be able to create that just for that. Even if you don't have it on the surface, you can create mods in there that, that can get you what you need. You know, so, I mean, just thinking about that, kind of circling back around, I'm on board with that Tron game, man. It's, you know, I loved the original movie. I loved the movie we did a few years ago. with. And, you know, I, I do remember the Tron cabinets were mostly gone by the time I started delving into the arcades. But I do remember a few of them in person, and I would love to see it in a, in a virtual sense. You talked about Razor, and we would leave that for the end. So I want to quickly run through the two major things that I mm-hmm. saw. First off, they are developing, and it's a prototype of a smart face mask 
that they're talking about where it gives you the reading on your, off your cell phone of your vitals and things of that nature. They're not the first ones to do it as far as smart masks that are coming out or that are on the way or that are in some type of development. I know that that's something that a lot of people are interested in, obviously, because of what's going on with the coronavirus. But the one I think you and I wanted to talk about the most was a concept project that was something I think I would love to have in my room, but that's not going to happen. Project Brooklyn, when you look at it and you get a view on that rendering, it's wild. It's got the the rollable screen that sits in front of you. It's a 180 degrees field of view, correct? Yes, it's a 60-inch rounded screen that wraps around you. You're sitting in a chair. Everything is RGB lit with also a desk panel right below you with where you put your keyboard and your mouse. But again, the screen is just wrapped around you. It, dude, it's just like we're in the future, man. It's like in the future. It is. And, you know, my only holdup about it is, I don't know if you ever saw the movie Grandma's Boy, but they've got a character in there. His name's JB, that he's a little bit on the nerdy side. And he's got this sweet chair set up <laughs> that is comparable to Project Brooklyn. And, and they make a lot of fun of him in, in the movies. I'm a little hesitant. I don't want to be the source of the laughter of all my friends, but I'm very excited by it. It it looks like an awesome setup, and we'd be lucky if we could ever get one. I know this is a futuristic concept for them. It's it's a couple years off now still, but it's an impressive goal, I think. Well, I'll tell you what. If Razor wants to send a prototype or a review (laughs) unit my way, bring it on down. Bring it on down because I would love to see if the Project Brooklyn would be something that is viable something that's mass marketable now if not it could be something that 10 years down the line could be something that we will truly truly love as gamers because a 60 inch oled display right in front of you while you're relaxing in one of the razor chairs would be just an awesome experience indeed but that was our time with ces 2021 not exactly the most personable and most newsworthy conference not too much really of note, really, that makes you go ooh and ah outside of what we talked about. But again, we're looking forward to hopefully returning to CES in a physical fashion, hopefully in 2022 with CES 2022. I know they're trying to go ahead and do that, but we'll see what the world is like coming up then. And we'll yep. see if CES 2022, we can go ahead and be part of the action once again. What are your thoughts out there on CES 2021? Did you see anything exciting? Did you see anything interesting when it comes to what was announced at CES 2021? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Well, coming up next, it is Cody Langley of the Popular Opinion Channel on YouTube. He's coming up next to talk about some Funko Pops and what makes Funko Pops such a collectible piece of memorabilia that everybody seems to want and everybody i think probably has they're They're so so hot hot. they're so so hot hot but it is cody langley coming up right after the break this is the pcc multiverse video game box art the stories behind the covers in which we talk to the illustrators and artists who are responsible for gaming's most iconic images. Don't forget to check out Video Game Box Art, the stories behind the covers, celebrating gaming's most iconic images from the people who created them. This and many more from Rob McCallum Films. All right, and we're back with the program. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. 
2021 brings a lot of good things out there, including possibly, hopefully, and knowing the company themselves, most likely a whole bunch of Funko Pops on the way. And who better to talk about Funko Pops than one of the preeminent experts on Funko Pops? And if you want to find out more about Funko Pops, the best place to go is actually the Popular Opinion. That's P-O-P in all caps, Popular Opinion channel that's now available on YouTube. Plus, he has also a great show, which was voted the most popular show from Indie Pods United and what's actually the people's choice for 2020. It is Cody Langley and Cody appreciate you stopping by talking some Funko pops, pop culture. And we just appreciate you stopping by on the program today. Oh, Jared, I'm glad to be here. A lot of popular stuff going on for sure in the world of pops and no pun intended, but it's going to be a good show. I definitely got some, I ever brought something I got in the mail today. I could show off to you. So a lot of good stuff man, to get to. Well, that'd be great. That'd be great. In fact, with your channel and my channel and all the stuff that we do so focused on pop of course but pop culture where it emanates from and so many things that are out there in pop culture again something that you are one of the leading experts on is the funko pop craze that has come out within the past five years and i was looking up some of the financial reports and people think oh they're just dolls they're just collectibles who cares they're, about they're, they're the next beanie babies yeah exactly well the thing is as i was looking up and as they they posted for fiscal year 2019 they generated almost 800 million dollars of these so people need to stop thinking of them in just toys just simple collectibles it's a major industry that they helped launch in and of itself a whole genre a whole type of new industry in collectibles that was never seen possible relating to not only the past but current trends in pop culture and i want to know first off your fascination because i know you're not alone in fact when i go to the stores our one of our sponsors retro city games i stop by there there's tons and tons of of pops that are available people buy them in droves Uh, i know my good friend mike faber of the eso network he has a ton sitting on his shelves and, and so many other people out there. The fascination is there with Funko Pops. I want to know where it began with you. Well, it didn't start on purpose. That is the funny part is you know, I wasn't out there looking to buy them. And it's funny, you know, I, I think I would remember seeing them. But, you know, in the past, I worked for GameStop for a very, very long time. But 2011, I, I started there. And then I think 2014, I worked at a very small GameStop store in a very small location. But, you know, we started getting the Funko Pops in like 2014. I think it was around Black Friday. And they had these things and there was like a chance to get, my favorite character is Batman. And you had a chance to get like a gold Batman in these little boxes. I was like, oh, that looks so cool. So I remember getting a couple boxes. Spoiler alert, I didn't get gold Batman. But (laughs) I got some cool stuff. And then I would just start seeing them everywhere, right? Like all over the place. And I would just start getting them and more and more and more. And then I started getting into mystery boxes, which is a whole nother road. But it probably started about 2014. And, you know, I was I was pretty hooked there at the beginning. I've calmed down a little bit these days. I still buy stuff I like, but I was really buying like almost everything that was coming out. 
But I did want to show you, like, I was going to show you real quick one. I got this sure. cool one today that came in the mail because I had to get this one, man. It's cool, man. Got to get the King of Rock, man, Elvis Presley, a diamond Elvis Presley. So cool. I thought that was a really cool one, man. And they just make so much stuff, like whatever you can think of. And I don't know any other company that has as many licenses on stuff that they do. They got over 400 licenses. Well, I think it came out to the point where, okay, at first I know they had some hurdles they had to go through and actually spoken to them before at different events live. And and this is just off the air type stuff with general reps and whatnot. Initially it was hard for them to get some of these licenses, but once these licenses and the people behind them started seeing the money, started seeing where they were being displayed at, saw them at Walmart, at then Toys R Us, at GameStops, at Kmart's, Target's, Best Buy's, all over the place. When yeah. these would transfer all over from an electronic store to a department store to a clothing store to any type of the stores that you would see these People started to understand, hey, these are selling big, and we got to go ahead and say yes to our licenses. So I'm going to say around 2016, 2017, you really started to see a boom in Funko Pops because of the fact that they were now widely accepted as a major collectible that anybody could afford. Right, and one of the big retailers, surprisingly, first that had these a lot, they jumped on the train early, was Hot Topic, actually. Yep, and uh, they had a ton. That's why you and you still see Hot Topic gets a ton of exclusives. But they were on the train early, and they were just making a killing off these pops. And it's you know a lot of it is nostalgia. Every you know the movie industry tries to kick back into nostalgia stuff. You know pops are the same way. You have that emotional connection with the product because you see it and it reminds you of something that you liked. And that just really hooks you in. And they're like 10 bucks, right? So the cost of entry is easy and a lot less expensive than, say, like Legos. Yeah, they're 10 bucks. Everybody can afford it. And I, and honestly, I honestly think the rise of them came as well with the rise of Comic Cons and getting stuff autographed because they make them of your characters from your favorite shows, movies. If you like an anime show, Odds are there's a voice actor that you can get signed from your favorite character. So with Comic-Con starting to rise up, people taking to get stuff autographed, I think this helped Funko Pops tremendously as well. And, you know, I have my friends that will come over. And, and I, I'll be I've got over 1,600 right now, <laughs> which is insane. But, like, my friends will come over and they'll see something. And they'll say, man, that's cool that they made that. I didn't even know they had a pop of that or something. Legos, however, you know, try to find anything outside of a small box that's under $40 these days. Good luck. The Death Star, the Millennium Falcon, everything that people actually want in Lego sets are truly expensive. So I could see pops, like you yeah. said, in and around $10 that people really want to go ahead and collect in. And this is a lot of fun. And they are a major source for your channel, Popular Opinion. And with the success of Pops, I mean, it's great for them, but not necessarily for your pocketbook. Yeah, and a lot of people, and this is the the argument or the, the pushback that I'll get is that, you know, a lot of people try to compare it to something like Beanie Babies, right? They'll say, it's just a fad. 
They're not going to stay around. They're going to crash. None of them's going to be worth anything. But like I tell people too, I'm like, well, Beanie Babies weren't really made off of a license of a certain person. Besides, they had a Princess Diana one. Like I do remember that. But they're not based off anything. So to me, it's not the same. And all you got to do is look at the stock reports and show you that Funko's crushing it with the pop line. And now the soda line is blowing up. And I think the soda line is going to be huge for years to come. And, you know, the Funko train, it's not stopping anytime soon. You know, a good way to tell is just, just look at the company's stock report. And that'll tell you pretty much all you need to know. And even with the COVID pandemic going around, where they weren't even shipping as much product to stores as previous years, they still made a ton of money on pops. A lot of it was they didn't even have the conventions this year, like San Diego Comic-Con, New York Comic-Con. They didn't even go to those shows. They did everything online, and they still killed it. So they're cool, they're fun, and it's a low price point of entry. There's something for everybody, which I appreciate. Of course, for anybody out there, they can go to Target and Walmart and go and get the general ones that are out there in general release and because it's something that they can relate to, and that's at a good price point. I definitely agree with you on that. A great deal of pops have now become extremely valuable and extremely hard and difficult to get because, like you said, Cody, that's how they popularized pops was going to Comic-Cons and making certain ones available only for a certain time. And that's how they got an interest in it as far as from collectors that have now got thousands, I'm sure, that's upon their collection because they had to go and collect. But it can be overwhelming to anyone that really wants to get serious about Funko Pops. It can be difficult, extremely difficult. But it's like that with anything. You know, I see, you know, saying this, it could be difficult to score certain ones. There needs to be a better online way of maybe ordering these. I think Funko's working on that. But it's it's like with anything, like if you're a shoe head and you're a shoe collector, there's sites out there that have bots, unfortunately, that can check out faster than us and maybe can beat you on checking out and getting stuff you want. That's like in anything, Pokemon. I mean, that's that's anything out there. And, you know, just collect what you love at the end of the day. I will say, though, definitely, Funko on certain lines, they do make too many of certain ones like do we really need like 10 of a new spider-man every couple months or something they do but it's like you know i pick and choose certain ones that i like but it becomes overwhelming in the world of funko pops as something that any achieves any type of success everybody wants to have a piece of it and the licenses once they saw how just huge pops were that just you know what we're going to go ahead and see what we can do to bleed it dry in fact right now anything relating to the mandalorian and a certain baby yoda grogu the child whatever you want to relate it as right now if you can put it on anything they're pretty much going to go ahead and try and do so because it is just so popular right now and that's what we are as i guess a society once we see something we like we want to go ahead and see how we can generate money from it any way we can but what are some of the things that you're looking forward to in Funko Pops for 2021? I want to see where they're going to go. You know, they recently, at the end of the year, they came out with the Black Light Marvel and DC Pops, which were really cool, really unique looking pops, man. Even See, like, I'm not just a fan of the, uh, the pop itself, but like the box art. That's one thing I think Funko maybe misses the, the ball on some of them. Like, man, let's make the box art look cool, too. 
the black light pops, man. Th- that box art really stood out. And they just announced this. So, you know, if you guys have Disney Plus and you're an old comic book fan, they are going to do What If series pops next year. So I'm excited to see what they're going to do with the What If series. I remember having, and this is this is old school. I don't collect comics as much today. But growing up, like, I think there was a, what if Wolverine was like the leader of a vampire cult or something? Like, I mean, like, it's some crazy stuff they could do. And they just did the Marvel Zombies line, which is a cool new comic series. I hope they're going to do Deceased, which is the zombie version of the DC superheroes. I hope that comes out next year. For someone that wants to jump into Pops, they're getting yeah. into the ball game a little bit late. We know that. Everybody knows that. But what can they do to make it enjoyable and mm-hmm. also somewhat affordable for them as well? Yeah. If you're getting into it, take out the monetary reasons. Don't collect them based on what you think or maybe what you want the value of them to be. If you see one, you're like, man, that looks cool. Pick it up. If you're worried about it, man, is this going to be worth $500 in two years? You're probably in it for the wrong reasons. So buy what you like. Because if not, you're going to be like me, which who was definitely a prime example. I was buying way too much stuff. And it was overwhelming. But now I've eased off and said, you know what? Let me get the ones I like and just go that route. Because it's, it's easy to get overwhelmed. Now, there's also people on Facebook Marketplace or something. I find deals all the time. People sell collections like really cheap if you're really just trying to get stuff for a good deal. So that's what I would kind of tell you to do. Don't worry about the monetary value. Just get what you like because stuff that comes out today, a lot of it's not going to be worth what came out when the first couple of years when Funko started pumping stuff out. They made less of stuff. Now they make a lot more of certain things. Cody, it's just been tremendous having you here. I want you to come back on the show again to give us an update on Funko Pops at some point in time of the year when you deem fit, when you can stop by, or if you think anything is out there in the Funko world that you want us to go ahead and know about. Just definitely want to hear from you, and I hope you will return to us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you need your video game fix, be sure to check out Retro City Games. Located in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada, Retro City Games has the cure for all your video game vices. Retro games and games for current consoles, Nintendo, Sega, PlayStation, Xbox, and more. Retro City Games has all the staples from any library and some highly collectible offerings too. So pick up a few games today at Retro City Games in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada. Retro City Games is your video game metropolis and we're back to close out the show this is the pc multiverse want to thank cody langley from the popular opinion channel on youtube that's pop all in caps that's popular opinion on youtube but my friend before we head on out there's so Mm -hmm. much to talk about when it comes to lucasfilm games they announced that hey we want to be known as Lucasfilm Games first and foremost. So all the Star Wars games are going to be absorbed into this Lucasfilm Games banner. Yep. Didn't say they were kicking EA to the curb. EA did announce that there will be more Star Wars games in the future. But they're leaving the door open more often with Lucasfilm Games for other developers and publishers to come on in there to work with Lucasfilm Games. And first and foremost were two big mentions for Bethesda and Ubisoft. 
Yep. First thing with Bethesda, and this really got my interest, was an Indiana Jones video game that's going to be produced by Todd Howard, who you know from the Elder Scrolls and also Fallout. So that's going to be something very interesting right there. And second was something that was announced on the next day for Ubisoft and Massive Games, makers of The Division and The Division 2. And they're going to be making and creating an open world game in the Star Wars universe. Really big announcements there for Bethesda and Ubisoft. I'm really excited about this. It would be interesting to see how you could continue the Indiana Jones franchise, how you can keep developing the Star Wars franchise. Do we end up with the Mandalorian game in a few years? I'm interested in the Ubisoft creation. It's a massive game. From what I've read, they're going to be using, what is it, the massive Snowdrop engine that was behind the Division 2 and a couple other big titles. It's one of those things that, or whatever is the end result of the creation here out of Ubisoft, I'm hoping that the high standards that Lucasfilms has continues on because we've had some great video games in the past. And I love that we're bringing this back under our central umbrella again. It looks like it's something that's going to be a little bit more open sourced as far as the number of individual companies that will get the privilege of going ahead and working with the Star Wars canon and the Star Wars universe. You know, I know a lot of people were very weary of EA's handling over the years of how they got that exclusive contract and only the Traveler's Tales company and some others could actually go ahead and, and create things within the, the brand of Star Wars and how EA could always get the massive multiplayer games or the story-driven games. And they were the only ones that were allowed to work on them. But we've seen with, I think, the fallout from Battlefront 2 and, the, and also the, the loot boxes and the way that went down. And yeah, uh, I think a lot of people got really irritated by that and there was a lot of backlash to that i know in recent times star wars squadrons and especially star wars jedi fallen order have really done well to put the shine back on ea when it comes to star wars games but i think when it comes down to it that lucasfilm games wants to go ahead and broaden its horizons and i, I appreciate the fact that they're going to go ahead and give other developers a chance now does this set you up for some games that are going to be stinkers more often, yeah, but I'd like to go ahead and have that opportunity to take that chance. And I'm going to be seeing Star Wars game after Star Wars game year after year. I know that might become tiresome after a little while, as we saw with the Star Wars movie universe. But with Lucasfilm and Disney overseeing the whole thing, I know they need an influx of cash with what they're not getting in certain other areas. So I don't blame them for going ahead in this route and saying, you know what, we're going to open up to everyone else. I'm telling you right now, I have more faith in the Indiana Jones game, which will probably be a, a, a narrative game, yeah. than the open world Star Wars game, especially after what we've seen with Cyberpunk 2077 and, and the issues and flaws. And in fact, the CEO of CD Projekt Red and the founder of CD Projekt Red, I don't know if you caught the video, I put that on GameSource on Facebook, where he made a statement in regards yeah. to it, basically apologizing for the whole way through and taking the blame for everything and ultimately saying he was the one that gave it the okay to go beyond PS4 and Xbox One in the condition that's in and announcing all these changes that are upcoming and fixes and updates and all that coming down the road. He basically put himself out. Now, it's weeks later after the release. I think that was too bad. Late, man. Yeah, it's too late. It's, it's like <laughs> the water's already left the dam. Oh, well. But I will say this, that when it comes to giving your property out to more 
individual companies, you're setting yourself up for more successes, but you're also setting yourself up for more possible failures as well. Yeah, I, I'm not a huge fan of vertical integration when it comes to you know trying to own an entire product line. There's some issues there because you you end up being a little short sighted if you're trying to develop something entirely internally. I'm hoping that we don't end up spreading this too thin and end up with too many paths for terrible things to happen here in the development of these games moving forward. They're setting themselves up in the best way possible. It's just it's going to come down to can we actually succeed and capture the attention of the gamers and capture the spirit of gaming was this decision initiated by poor sales this holiday of star wars squadrons and and the second holiday season for jedi fallen order star wars squadrons got favorable responses it looks great but because of its reduced price and lack of content i think maybe it would have served itself better as dlc for battlefront 2 as opposed to being a full-fledged game that it was. I think that's probably something that I think would be the first thing I would have said there. Would you have paid 25 or 30 bucks for it to be DLC? Uh, it depends on the DLC. It depends on what I'm getting. I think, well, I mean, you're only paying 40 for the retail game anyways. Although right. most people have been able to go ahead and get Star Wars Squadrons a lot cheaper than that. So I, I think it would have served itself better as a way to gain renewed interest in Battlefront 2, because if you, they've done a lot of work on Battlefront 2, and I've heard it's a lot better. Like, stop me if you've ever heard this before. They've done a lot of great work on it since the release, and it is now a much better experience than it was before. Gee, doesn't that sound like almost every failed game or game that's fallen flat on its face? Actually, I can't count them on my hands now because there's so many titles out there that's done that. But why yeah, is it always just, that No Man's Sky is the first thing that comes to my brain? And I know that they've done tremendous work in developing Fallout that, 76. Yeah. There's just so many now that have come out that they put so much energy into it after the fact. You look at it and say, you know what? Oh, the Master Chief Collection. Yes. Yeah. The Master Chief yeah. Collection is tremendous now. When I first bought it, it was a really buggy mess. So, I mean, it just tells me right now that this could have been something that was really, really good as a way to reinvigorate sales in Battlefront 2. Instead, maybe it didn't get the response financially that they wanted, even though it got great critical success on Star Wars Squadrons. Just throwing that out there. Just throwing that out there. Yeah, man. It's interesting to see what's going on here. Where do you stand on really pushing the bounds here and, and, and further developing some of these Lucasfilms properties? You know, especially with the development of the Ahsoka Tano TV show coming. You know, we've got the Lando TV show coming as well. Do we see games come out alongside those? Or are we going to. I think you could see an interactive experience on that. And it's going to be more than just DLC characters that are going to be popped in after the fact. I have okay. a feeling some of them will be getting their own games, starting with The Mandalorian. I think you can go ahead and create a narrative space game on that. I think you could do a great job, especially all the worlds that they go into that they've already delved in the first two seasons. I think you can do that. But again, the possibilities there for Star Wars are now seemingly more. And that's a good thing because the ideas could become reality. And if the ideas become reality, that could mean a lot more great Star Wars games each and every year for us from different individuals outside of just going and saying EA, EA, Electronic Arts, Electronic Arts, Electronic Arts. You're just living and dying off of what Electronic Arts are going to do. Now you can look at an Ubisoft. Now you can look at a Bethesda. Now you can look at possibly maybe an Activision down the road coming up with something in the universe of Star Wars or someone else. Maybe Microsoft doing a Xbox exclusive Star Wars game in there or maybe PlayStation doing something like that. So 
the possibilities now are becoming stronger and stronger by Lucasfilm Games getting everything under its one umbrella and going ahead and saying, you know what, we're going to take these games under our belt and go ahead and create our own universe and not just have it part of everybody else's. I'm, I'm hesitant. That's all I'm going to leave it with. I'm hesitant to see what happens. What are your thoughts out there on Lucasfilm Games reforming to go ahead and saying, you know what, all future video games with the Star Wars moniker and also Indiana Jones will now be created and promoted by Lucasfilm Games. What are your thoughts on Lucasfilm Games doing everything under their own banner? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. My friend, it's been a great episode, but before we head on out, 52 weeks of Netflix films? That's the case as Netflix has announced or setting a goal of a new movie every week for its platform. So I want to hear your thoughts on that. And we're not just talking about just some cheesy movies every now and then. We're talking about popular movies, action movies, romantic movies, rom-coms. They've talked about all these different type of movies that are going to be hitting at least one per week throughout the rest of this year. This is insane because all I can think is, how are you going to deliver that quality of content over the year? You know, I'm trying to pull up the list of Netflix original films here to see our release dates here. I mean, we've got things scheduled out to April 30th right now. And then after that, everything's just announced as like mid 2021, late 2021. So I'd love to see kind of the release schedule, especially as we move into through this first quarter here and see what they really start pushing. They've got a great history. I mean, look at what happened with the Midnight Sky. I mean, just killing it right now. And Cobra Kai. Cobra Kai. But even just staying under the, the movie umbrella for Netflix. I mean, yes. they've had some great originals in the, in the past year. And not even just the past year, the past five years. So I'm really excited to see what comes of this. My wife and I were just talking the other day about how, you know, they've, they've really upped the standard when it comes to quality content, right? We've pushed the bounds and Netflix started with its humble beginnings of shipping out DVDs and doing whatever it did to keep afloat for all those years until the streaming really came about and really became the, the driving factor for them, right? And with that, they started gaining that money to bought all the IP they could. And they've started producing their own IP and it's, it's really up the game for everybody else around them. You know, I, I think Amazon Prime, the Amazon Prime originals and the quality that's there a lot of that has to do with the competition that they've had with Netflix and the the higher standard that they need to deliver if they want to even compete. Absolutely. So we'll definitely see how the streaming wars continue. But Netflix, after taking some shots from Peacock, from Disney Plus, from Apple Plus, and of course, HBO Max, are now sending one over their bow with the announcement of a high profile movie each and every week coming to their platform. So Netflix viewers can expect a high-profile movie. A good movie? Bad movie? I don't know. It's just going to be a big-name movie coming each and every week to their platform. We didn't talk Bridgerton. We kind of said that we were going to discuss that after we yeah. binged it this weekend. what were your weekend. thoughts on Bridgerton, man? Yeah, you know, I can only get through two episodes. It's so rough. I understand it's marketed at a generation that's a little bit younger than me, and I just, I wasn't on board with it. And here's the, the messed up part. You know, I'm a completionist, so I'm going to finish the season so we can still talk about it. But it's not really scratching any fancy here. It's, it's just, meh. I, I just, mm, mm. 50 Shades your... of Grey, I mean, is popular to a certain audience. And then it's reviled by a lot of others. So right. it's, it's considered one of the worst movies each and every year it comes out. But then again, it makes tons of money at the box office. So... Yeah, I think that's what Bridgerton's doing here. They're sliding yeah. into that gap, and they they know they've got a niche that they're they're filling here, and it's 
Indeed. Well, I'll tell you what, it's been a great episode. I cannot thank you enough for being part of it as always. And truly thankful that you're going to be here next week, right here on the PCC Multiverse. So for Marcus De La Garza, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC Multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great I'm Drew Leiter. And I'm Cletus Jacobs. Join us this winter as we watch changes in the DC Universe unfold. We'll keep you informed on DC News, we'll review the future state event, and of course, we'll be talking the Arrowverse shows when they return this January. Thanks for letting us be a part of your DC Comics journey, and thanks for listening to the Earth Station DCU podcast. Part of the ESO Network. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.